21 years ago today marked something very tragic that happened in our nation. Most of us that were here and alive at that point will remember where we were and what happened at that moment. We're going to ask, we just take a moment where you're sitting, just stay seated. Well, let's take a moment of silence as we remember those and remember those that were affected through that. to believe 21 years has passed by so quickly well good morning everyone i'm pastor tim here and part of new life staff and just want to thank you for those that are online and those that are that are here in our service you do not know how, how glad and how so thankful over the last few years thankfully we've gone through covid and we've gone through times where we haven't had people in this house it is so nice to have people back with us and i want to encourage you you know, it's time to put that in the past, and, and it's time to start inviting people to join us and take part in our services. Amen. And for those that are online, we, we're so glad to have you come and join with us this morning and, and to be part of our ministry here at, at New Life. And we just thank you. We also ask if you're with us for the first time and we in the back of your seat there, there's a little connection card. This will just allow you to complete what you feel comfortable with, what you put on that, and it allows us to just stay and connected with you. But at the bottom is a little prayer request, and you can put those down. If you want it confidential, just mark it for us. But we, it allows us as pastors to be able to pray over your needs every Wednesday as, as we gather together with those in our church on, on Wednesday evening. We pray over your needs. We pray over those things that you're, that you're going through. And we also praise God for the answered prayers that God has answered. Sometimes we just think about the needs, but also there are many times that God has blessed us and answered those prayers, and we give him praise and glory this morning. Amen? For those of you that are with us online, if you will just text uh, 94,000, for life to 94,000, it'll allow you to, to connect with us as well, and you can put your prayer request on there, fill out what you feel comfortable with. So, but also, there are other ways that you connect with us. The second way is through, through your giving, and we really do appreciate your faithfulness through these summer months, and as we head in to the end of uh, 2022, you have been so faithful and what God is doing at this house and the ministry of this house. But there are a couple ways you can connect with us there. And that's, we, and we'll have it on the screen. There are four ways that we use to give. And, there, and that would be, you can text in, you can give online, you can give here today in the back after service. But also just want to remind you today, it's heart for the house. That is, that is what we're doing right now for this ministry. Some of you know, and some of you might not know, but at the end of our year here, we're going to be relocating to a new building. Woo! Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's get some... Now, come on. We can be excited, church. I know it's the unknown, but you know what? These are exciting times because God has something in store for this church. And if you, don't, and if you think the moving of a, of a building and the moving of our seats is, is, is causing too much difficulty... 
We need to open up our eyes and let the Holy Spirit move on our eyes and see where he is taking us and where he's leading us. Because I want to tell you something, God's not done with new life. God's not done with you. And we've got to be open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit to show us those avenues and where we can begin to go. And I'm excited for the future and what God has in store. It's unknown, but I'm excited for what God is going to do. Amen. Also on your seats this morning, we have a little invite card here for our New Life kids. In the month of uh, October, we're going to be releasing a, a, a new series, but they're going to be, they'll also be relaunching or launching a couple things that are going on with our New Life kids. How many of you know a lifeblood of a church is our children? How, much, how many of you know that our children are under attack when we went through COVID? They were pulled out of schools. They were pulled out of churches. And, and over fear gripped them. And I, I'm afraid to say what we're going to see in the next 15 to 20 years is going to be shocking for what the enemy was trying to do. But you know what? When we bring them into this house, we fill them with the word of God. We begin to pray over them. Their vision is lifted up. Their, those things that they might struggle with right now go by the wayside. Because we serve a living God. We serve a powerful God. And he's got great things in store for our children's ministry. So I want to encourage you, invite families out. Invite them to get involved and come out and join with us over these next few weeks. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 today. If you'd like to connect and go through our, uh, my notes this morning, you go on the version. We've got directions. will be on the screen this morning where you can get on the version app, find the note, message notes. You can even email them back to yourself. That way you can see the scriptures and the passages we talked about today. Whew, that's a good thing. That's, can you believe we are just a few months away from the end of 2022? <laughs> Christmas is right around the corner. No, it's exciting times. Just a couple of things I want to bring up. This morning as you came in, everyone should have received a brochure. We have life groups that kick off today. I want to encourage you all to join up. And then also immediately after service today, we have step one and growth track. Come out and join us. If, you never, if you're not sure what our church is about, go through step one today. You'll get an idea and, a, and an idea of what's going on in our church and what our beliefs, and so you can connect with us. I like to say it's like kicking the tires. We have three weeks. Go through growth track, kick the tires, look at what we're doing, and then come into fellowship with us. Amen? Amen. Well, we've been in this series we started a few weeks ago called The Mystery of the Church. And it is about, about the, the mystery that the, church ha, that the church is, but also about allowing God to help us walk in a little bit into the supernatural, allowing God to open up our hearts and our eyes to see where he wants to lead us. Too many times, I think as the church members and as Christians, we've allowed the things of the world to diminish our faith. And we don't walk by godly wisdom, we walk by worldly wisdom. Can we all agree on that? And what happens when we do that, it diminishes down what God implanted in us, implanted in, us in our DNA from the time we were born. See, I have this theory that when babies come to us, how many of you know they're a gift from God? That's why we fight so hard against abortion. I was listening to someone the other day that had a, a child that they were, they were praying over, 
because it was, uh, they didn't know, the, the person didn't know the father. They, were in, in, uh, they went through the procedure because they wanted to, she wanted to get pregnant and she wanted to raise a child. And this person made the comment that, you know, it's just hodgepodge. And I said, no, we need to really rethink that because the Bible tells us no matter where that baby came from, that baby came from God. And God knitted him in the womb or knitted her in the womb. And everything that we are today is because he downloaded his DNA in us at that point. So I have this theory that when babies are born, they have just come from the presence of God. And you listen to stories and listen to, to research on young children, their, their capacity to see and the capacity to think is, is mind-blowing. The languages they can learn at such an early age I have a niece that's four years old that one set of grandparents speak in Spanish, one set of grandparents speak in English, and they can all talk to her, and she sits there and corresponds back and forth in one, and not once does she have to sit there and think about what she's saying. For me, when I learned Spanish, I'm sorry, but I had to sit there and, okay, and translate it in my brain, but it's diminished because we're so far removed from that time of birth. That's why Jesus tells us that we need to have faith as a child. And it's that faith that we have that we can begin to see what God has in store for us. A few years back, I had issue with my eyesight. I, I really lost my sight uh, with a problem with a detached retina. And I had waited too long. I didn't realize what was happening. And in the midst of that, my right eye detached for a short period of time. But I had to go through, in about a month period, nine surgeries on this eye. And one of them was, it was all laser driven. One was to the point it was seven, I think we counted 700 clicks on the laser. And my eye was just swollen. And the, and the doctor was just pouring water on it just to, to keep it so that it wouldn't be not damaged. But during that time, losing your sight and losing your vision, realize how scary that is. And think about the fact that, that when we allow the enemy to come in, and he takes away our vision that God has for us, how that diminishes our walk with him. Because there are some that we, that we know that have allowed the enemy to come in and he's hurt them and he's beaten them down. In the midst of that, they realize they forget how much he has loved them and how much he wants to touch them, how much he wants to heal them, how much he wants to redeem them. And through that process, God wants us to have our eyes open to see him. That song I love, that God will chase no matter where we're at, no matter where we can hide, he will come after us. We just have to be willing to submit to him. So our vision is so important that we, that we allow our hearts to stay focused on him and our eyes. I want to read a little bit from Kings this morning. I want to tell a story of Elisha. He's one of my heroes of the Bible. And I'm just, it's a real short passage in, in King, uh, 2 Kings 8. But there's a story in there where King Aram was in war against Israel. And in the midst of it, Elisha sent word to the king of Israel and said, don't go through this pathway that you're going to go on your journey. Go another route. And he warned them because the Arameans, the, the, the king of Arameans wants to trap them and ensnare them. And so they went another route. And, and he ended it by telling them to be on your guard, to watch out around you. 
And he went down a little bit further in that passage. King Aram found out, and he thought someone in his camp, someone in his leaders was, was sharing the news with Israel. And one of his leaders told him and said, no, it's not. It's the man of God of Elisha. He hears your words in your bedroom. That's how powerful our God is. That's how powerful our God is. So many of us think that, we, that, we, that when we run into trouble, we've got to figure out our own pathway out of the trouble. Then what we, what we do is we get paralyzed by the fear and we don't stop and look to what God has for us because God's got an easy plan. He wants to lead us through those, those narrow passages. And if we just keep a gu our guard up and our guard on, God will lead us to, to that victory. And that's what he did that day. Now that really ticked off the king of Aram, and he went after Elisha. So he found out where Elisha was. And that's really where I want to pick up today in verse 15 of 2 Kings chapter 8. It says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Why is it, as believers... We know how powerful God is, but in the midst of some type of trouble, in the midst of some type of emergency, our first recollection is, oh no, what, what, what is the enemy going to do? Or, or we give up in defeat already. We don't, we don't use the, the belief that God can see us through this. We don't stop and praise him for his protection that he's done before, and if he did it once before, he'll do it again. But listen to the, to the man of God's response in verse 16. It says, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Church, I want to tell you something today. If you're a believer of Christ, if you're a lover of Christ, and you're here today, no matter what trouble you are going through, no matter what trouble you have found yourself in, if you think Jesus has left you when that trouble began, you are misguided and, and misdirected from the enemy. That no matter what we walk through, those horses and those men, those angels on fire are standing around you, guarding you and protecting you, ready to lead you at your will. The issue is that we need to open our eyes and allow us to see into the heavenlies the miracles that God has for us and the things that he wants us to accomplish, not for our glory, but for the glory of the church and the glory of Christ. The series that we're talking about today and we're in, excuse me, we're in is allowing the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes that we may begin to see, that we may begin to see what God has in store for the church. May we begin to see what God has in store for each one of us. Pastor said last week, the miracles we see in the Bible are in our own eyes, the revelation of a mystery. There are mysteries that are in the word of God that we as believers have to search for. This life we serve God is not an easy one. It takes work. It takes work if we're going to minister to those that don't know Jesus. It takes work with our faith. It takes work to overcome the situations that we put ourselves in. Amen? 
How many have had to work back from problems that we created on our own and then having to, and to move forward with what God has done for us? Listen to what Proverbs says here. It says, the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. How many kings do we have here today? That's right. We're all kings. And if we're going to search out a matter, we have to get into his word. I'll tell you something. Just looking at the word of God and having it sit on your night table or on your, you know, in front of your TV, for some reason it doesn't impart into my faith and into my mind and help me overcome problems. But overcoming the problems, the Bible says that we do it through the hearing of his word. That's why we read it out loud. It creates life in us. It creates new beings in us. God hides the things in mystery for us to search out and discover. Bill Johnson said, and I know pastors said this before, but I love this quote, the level of revelation God gives you will always be equal to the level of mystery you are willing to live with. What are you willing to live with? He goes on to say, your inability to live with mystery is your resistance to the childlikeness, and childlikeness is the only way to see and experience the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus tells us we have to have a faith of a child. That's why I shared with you the story. That's why I truly believe that we have left it. When we're born, we have just left the presence of God. Man, can you imagine if a baby could talk? He would, they would blow our minds away. They've been in God's presence. Maybe in ways that we don't even know. And we look at them as, you know, and they're just little things. They really can't do anything. And they've seen the master at hand and how he created them. The theme in Ephesians that we're studying right now is, and as I said, the theme right now we're going through is the mystery of the church. The theme of chapter one here is our position that we're in. And, and pastor said last week, and I want to encourage you, we're not rushing through Ephesians. It's, it's one of those passages and one of those, those books that you need to keep diving into, reading over and over and over again. Because there's, there's word and the truth in there that Paul has written to us that's dig, that digs, digs down deep and to pull out those secrets. Pastor said last week, the vision is seeing things not yet done and declaring them until they become a reality. It's why we keep pressing out vision for the new house that, we're gonna, that God's going to give us. It's why we keep casting vision about touching those in our neighborhood and having an impact on our community and touching the lives of each other that God has placed around us. Some title of my message today is The Mystery of the Will. And so we're going to look at a little couple passages here in Ephesians. But the, how many of you have ever struggled with what the will of God is for your life? And see, I think we, we, we struggle with it because we're trying to think with earthly terms instead of thinking with heavenly terms and what God really has for us. The, in, in Ephesians, it, ta it brings out some nuggets. And, and there's a phrase in Ephesians that says, in Christ or in him. And it shows up in the first eight sentences or ten times where that God keeps mentioning that. Uh, so our strength and our will is not based on who we are. It is based on who we are in Christ. 
The will of God is not about us doing something that we want to do and telling God you have to wait. It is about doing what God wants us to do and God's saying, I will, I will take you to where you want to go. Just go where I want you to go right now. And see, we get that backwards and what we do is we end up fighting against everything spiritually because we have a problem with letting go what we want and doing what we want instead of doing what God wants for us. So we're going to begin in, in verse 7 of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. It's because of the blood of Christ, we are bought and made free from the punishment of sin. That bought, he paid for our sins. Wise, when he went to the cross, he did that freely. We all know that. We've read it in the Bible time and time again. But let that sink in. The next time we do something that we know we shouldn't do, realize you have that, you do that, but you also know that God paid that price for that, not to live that way and just we struggled with those issues. But he did it so you can overcome them. It goes on and says, and because of his blood, our sins are forgiven. That's why when we take communion, we do it in remembrance of him and the blood and the body. Why is because we want to know the agony that he went through that day. Why is because it was for us, it was personal. Blood and our sins are forgiven. His loving favor to us is so much, is so rich. Verse 8 says, He was so willing to give all of it to this to us. He did this with wisdom and understanding. See, I think as, as Christians and believers, it's hard for us to understand. When we use those terms, wisdom and understanding, because we think with earthly terms. We, th we carry out the things of business, and we try to carry them out with earthly terms instead of with godly terms. And what I mean by that is that we see things through what the world does, and so we, we mimic the world. You mess with me, I'm going to mess with you. That's why I have that right. And God says, you mess with me, I'm going to look the other way. Why? It's because he told us to turn the other cheek. We don't walk according to the things and the principles of this world. Why? It's because he's gave us a whole new set of things to walk by and to live by and to do things for him and to get that he would receive the glory. So why did, why did God send his son into our world? He sent him in to die for our sins and by doing that, that we may be able to do and accomplish the things for him. Why did he die? Because we were lost. I was lost. I grew up in a pastor's home, and for a long time I tried to live my life according to my parents' walk. And God didn't intend that for me. It was a brother of mine, a loving brother, a friend of the family that introduced me to a different walk. And when that happened, my relationship with Christ just blew up. No more was reading the word, just kind of stale words. It became alive and a fire in me. He did it. He came and died for each one of us because he wants us to share what God has done in us. He wants us to carry that on. He, there is a love that we have when we accept Christ. That that, that that change in us, that change in the spirit in us should compel us 
to be able to share the good news, not of what, you don't have to understand and, and quote scripture to be able to touch someone's life and to lead them. What you have to do is be able to live a life that, that glorifies God and that people see that difference in you. Second Corinthians says, for Christ's love compels us because we are, we are convinced that one died for all. He redeemed me, he healed me, he set me free, and I want my life to glorify that in Christ. I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. I'm going to say that again. And this should be our prayer, church. I want my life to be so attractive, not for the worldly things, but for the godly things. I want my life to be so attractive that the people who, who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. See, what we, what we miss out on is everyone in this world, not children of God, but everyone in this world has God's DNA planted in them because of creation. And when we come around them and we share the good news, I think it releases something in people because we yearn to be back in the presence of God because we remember those days as a baby. But through our sin and through our lifestyles and the things we choose, we get further and further away and our vision is dimmed. I believe the mystery of his will is to share Jesus with those around us. So how do we accomplish this? I think we have to recognize the moments God gives us. I think we have to recognize the moments God gives us. He puts every one of us in a situation each and every day with coworkers, with friends, with people in grocery stores, with people out to dinner. Did it for us that we could walk and be able to demonstrate and love on them, not to preach to them. Not, he, he, he'll, he'll redeem them and touch them at one point. But that's between God and those individuals. We're not, it's not our job to clean people up and to get them like us. I don't want a bunch of people in this world looking like me and walking around just like me. I like the flavor and the difference of everyone. But we also have to recognize those moments he gives us. Proverbs 16, 9 says, in the hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You might think you're doing something because you want to do it, but when we serve him, there are avenues and doors open up to where we can give God the glory, where we can share. I had a conversation with someone yesterday that's not saved, but yet his wife is stage four breast cancer and just had an opportunity just to love on him. We didn't stop and pray. We just spoke. You tell he's hurting. And just, you know, and he struggled even getting words out. I didn't have to go in there and say the these and thous and you got to do this before God will do that. No, I said, you know what? I'm going to join you in prayer on Thursday as she's having surgery. I'll touch base with you to see how you're doing and how she's doing. But we stopped and I, I got out of there and I prayed for him. I prayed for her. God will use this as an opportunity to reconnect them to him. So how can we accomplish that? Seeing the lost come to know him as their savior. That's how we, we, we begin to recognize and establish. I think we need, as, as believers and as church members, we need to have God open up our eyes. We need to look at those around us 
that we come in contact every day in a different light. We need to realize that, that and we need to realize that one day there is going to be a settling of accounts. And God's going to stand and go in heaven. And it's not God that sends people to hell. That is a misnomer. It is our sins that send, God, send us to hell. God made a path. That's why he sent his son. And by doing that, he's given us an avenue to share the goodness. That's why the first church was so effective. That's why the first church saw things that we, we can't even begin to imagine. And that's why with this series, we want to open up our eyes and begin to see. I mean, you, can you imagine we have a, an event at, at, at City Center and we begin to come together and sing and pray and begin to see what the Spirit begins to move. And we see all these thousands of people coming around us and God begins to move and we begin to share in, in tongues. And you know what? When we do that, God speaks to those hearts. Why do I say that? It's because I want to cast vision. I want us to have, understand God has great things in store for us. If you're here today and think just because your age or because your health that God has done with you, that is a lie from devil. Because I've seen people in their 80s and 90s do great things and accomplish for God because they haven't given up and they continue to move forward and keep searching out for him. We have to recognize those moments. See, Elisha recognized that moment with a servant. It would have been easy for Elisha to say, you, don't you see them? They're there. But no, he stopped. He recognized it. And Lord, opened up his eyes. And God opened his eyes, and he saw that God had sent his angels and his warriors around him. We need to recognize those moments. Another thing is refocus on the manner in which we live. I want to tell you something. In the last 10 years, our nation, and I think it's not just our nation, I think it's a worldwide, we have become more politically driven than Jesus driven. We look at the one in the White House as the person who's going to respond to all of our needs instead of looking to our Savior who is the giver of all of the gifts that we have. He is the one that provided my job. He is the one that has blessed me. And I'm not making a political statement, but I want to tell you something. Those individuals, those politicians we have, and there's some good ones that we have that serve God, but they will disappoint us every step of the way. Jesus will not disappoint us. We need to refocus the manner in which we live. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9, 22 says, To the weak I become weak. To win the weak I have become all things to all people, so they will all, that by all possible means, I might save some. It's Paul telling us, no matter what situation he was in, he went to those individuals. He didn't come in preaching to them. I think we need to find more common ground than not battleground. Okay? I, I, I struggle with this, church. I'm admitting it right now. I struggle. There are times I get on and say something and uh, on social media, and I'll have to go back and delete every little tick because I, all of a sudden the Spirit of God begins to move, and it's like, oh, I can't say that. And I, I struggle with that. I submit that to God because I don't want one day someone to tell me that they were offended and that they, they're going to miss out on glory because of something stupid I decided to put out 
on something political that doesn't mean a hill of beans. It's like my mom said, why do we get so upset about someone we don't know, never have, will know, and never come in contact with? But we will come in contact with Jesus. And we will have him in the presence of God. 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 25 says, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Does that resonate with anyone? The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. How many of you know we need to be patient with difficult people? God didn't send them to you to try your patience. God sent them to you that you can demonstrate the love of God, that, they, that through that they will receive the glory of Jesus and come to know him. They should gently touch those who oppose the truth. Unconditional love, not conditional love. We need to love people and learn to love people no matter what the situation is. So recognize the moments by looking for them. Refocus on the manner in which we live. Elisha refocused. It had been, been easy for him to give in to the fear, don't you think? Here he's got a king of a country chasing after him. He's got a king of a country wanting to kill him. But he refocused. And through that, he was able to show his servant the magnificent things that God has in store. That he looked and peeled the heavenlies back and saw into the miraculous, saw those unseen things that we could dream of, that we need to see in our own lives. If I can have the worship team come on up. The last thing I think we need to do is relay the message of hope to a broken world. I'll tell you something, church. You want to live in the miraculous? You want to live in the supernatural? Begin to share what God has done in your life. Begin to share the good news of the things. Our testimony, it's not something to be ashamed of. It is something to be glorified. Why? Because God took you from where you were and he brought you to this place and he has redeemed you. He has set you free. That is something that we need to shout to the heavenlies on. That is something that we need to give him glory on. Because to me, that is more miraculous than anything else we can see. That if when, and when we, when we get saved, we need to pray, Lord, open up my heart. Open up my eyes. Let me see those things you have in store for me. How can Peter, who just weeks before stood up and, and denied Christ, but yet now he's standing and he's preaching before 5,000? How could, how could Paul, who was, was crucifying the church and killing Christians, walk on that road to Damascus and, and God begin to have a, a, a miraculous touch upon his life? That he began to see things miraculously. If you remember, the word says that he had shackles on his eyes and those shackles came off of him and he began to see things incredible. Why? It's because he walked with the Lord. He knew the word. But when he came to that road of Damascus, that word became life in him. And he did the miraculous. We need to relay a message of hope to a broken world. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 says, but in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Always be prepared, church. If you remember in the story of Elijah when he told the king as they were going that pass to stay away from King Aram told him be on your guard 
Look, by, look over your shoulder. Watch what's going on. Why do we need to be prepared? We need to be prepared to give. God's going to bring people around us. I'm praying today. God's going to begin bringing people around each and every one of us that we can share what he has done in our life. Be prepared to share, to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reasons for your hope that you have. I'll tell you something, church. If the church and the body of Christ who has been redeemed and set free doesn't have hope for their future, I'm not sure what we, what, what's going to happen. Because God has come in to our lives and he's touched it. He goes on and says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Church, we need to recognize those moments, focus on our manner, and we need to relay a message of hope to a broken world. Elisha did this. He showed those around them when he said that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. He saw into the heavenlies. He saw the miraculous things that God was doing. And when he saw that, he was able to show those around him. Demonstrated the power to King Aram. Story goes on, I encourage you to go back and read it. How he led King Aram into, into being captured. That whole nation was destroyed because of what, what Elisha did. I have a close with this last statement. And this is a quote I, I found. It says, when you enter the beautiful city, that would be heaven. We enter that beautiful city and the saved all around you appear. What joy when someone will tell you. It was you who invited me here. Think about that, church. God brings people into our lives, not just to be friends and associates to goof off with, but he brings people into our lives. They may we do what Elisha did, introduce them to the miraculous, introduce them to the things that God has in store. Will you bow your head? <laughs>